this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to like city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to uh, <laughs> to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to vote. Welcome to another brand new edition of the Municipals. I'm Matthew. And I'm Philip. Uh, I, I do want to take this one because I, I have a very, I have a fondness for, for my friend uh, who we have on today. Uh, I met him a couple of times while I was campaigning for city council. Uh, and he, he ran for mayor and he's running for mayor again, uh, Gil Penalosa. It's uh, great to have you on the show. Thank you very much. Thanks for inviting me. Gil, um... I'm interested. I I always ask, um, ever since it happened, I, I ask all our guests, you know, can you tell us uh, where you were and how you found out uh, that John Tory resigned? Uh, I was home and it, watching the news. That's how I found out. Wow. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it just hit everything on that on that Friday night. You know, Phil always points to the look on his face when he enters the room. I desperately need to find that clip because it's, <laughs> I keep talking about it, but his eyes just bulge as he walks in, sort of like the moment where he realizes there are consequences for his actions. Uh, it's it's a great moment that I'd really like to really capture. Well, also, you know, I think that we don't really know why he resigned. Uh, and also because also we don't really know why this uh, affair didn't come out during the campaign, because Everybody knew about it. It was a hundred people at City Hall knew about it. Everybody in the mayor's office. Anybody who was at the mayor's office in the last two and a half years knew about it. Uh, and the reality, I think there is something more behind it. I, I don't think that the Toronto Star comes out with a questionnaire at 2 p.m. And uh, at 7 p.m. he's resigning. Uh, it's... It, 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 like it's not something that I think he would have resigned for, but but anyway, that's that's past. What I do think is that is great because the city has an opportunity, another opportunity, and I think there's a few people running that other than me, and and I think that almost anybody will be a better mayor than what Tory would have been. I I ran last time because I thought the city was not moving in the right direction. And it was not after his third election. Uh, so, so I think the city really has a, a great opportunity to, to elect better. I couldn't agree more. Um, Philip, why don't you start us off? I know you got a bunch of questions. Um, we're eager to hear about your, your plans, your platform, whatever you have developed. Um, we're eager to hear all about it. Go, go ahead, Phil. I do have... Um... You know, it occurs to me, I was thinking, I was going to ask you very specifically, because I know you've worked in, in cities all over the world and done good work in that regard. But it occurs to me that actually this would be a good question for every mayoral candidate we get. Um, but it, it was, this was honed specifically for you. And my question to you is, you know, you've, you've worked in cities all over the world. Personally, what do you think makes Toronto special? Well, I love Toronto for many reasons, but I would say two. One is that it's a city where half of us were born in another country. 
It's truly a city where we have people from everywhere. And one thing that I love is not only that more than half we were born in another country, but that not too many people from any one country. So the ones that were born in another country, we still love that city, wherever we come from. But we also love Toronto. Uh, so, so that is really important because there are some cities where you have 20, 30% from one area, and then it becomes a conflict, whether it's the Cubans in Miami or the Mexicans in LA or from Hong Kong in Vancouver. All of a the sudden, there is so many people from one country that they want to speak their own language, celebrate their own holidays and whatever. But when, it, when it's 3 4% from one place and another 2 from other, that doesn't happen. We, we, want, we want everybody to get along. So I think being such an international city, I think is fantastic. And the second thing that I think makes Toronto unique is nature, nature, the ravines. Like so many people in Toronto have not even been to the ravines. I think we need to promote it. We need to highlight it. I think that just like Vancouver has mountains, we have something even better. We have the ravines that go almost into every neighborhood of the city. Uh, 17% of the city are ravines along the creeks. And if we can connect those ravines plus the hydro corridors plus uh, Ontario, I mean Lake Ontario, I think that 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 makes it truly a magnificent place. And also, we, it's, it's great people, universities, and so on. So, of course, we're a good city, but but we could be so much better. That's why I'm running for mayor. But but those two things really, it's I mean, with the kind of work that I do, I advise cities. I have worked in over 350 cities in every continent. I could live anywhere. I live in Toronto because I find these two issues fascinating, and 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 I think that it's a that 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 it's a, that that's why it's easy to fall in love with Toronto. I got a question. Um, so I'd love to know your I've, I've read stuff and I and I've heard you speak on the news, but I, I just for our listeners, I'd love to hear your position on the Gardner Expressway. You know, there are some there are some people that think that the entire elevated portion should be scrapped. There are other people that think that uh, east of Jarvis should be scrapped. And there are other people that think it should be rebuilt uh, completely. Uh, and I'd love to hear your your take on it. And I understand you were uh, part of a um, deputation uh, the infrastructure today. The environment committee, I believe. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, for the <clears throat> listeners to understand, this is an elevated highway that was built 60 years ago by the waterfront, by Toronto's waterfront. After 60 years, it's falling apart because most elevated highways, uh, well, they do fall apart, so they need to have a lot of maintenance, uh, very expensive maintenance. <clears throat> And then seven years ago, the city evaluated and they said, okay, we need to repair it. And it was gonna cost uh, a little bit less than 500 million. And other people said, oh, what if we tear it down and do a boulevard, a boulevard with sidewalks and bike lanes and trees and, uh, and benches and so on. Uh, and then uh, it was, it's gonna cost also a little bit under 500 million. But somehow Mayor Tory went away and he spoke with some uh, councillors in the suburbs and he came back and said, oh, what if we do the hybrid? He was good at, at making up these stories because then people thought hybrid meant that he was taking the best of each. No, 
he said what he wanted to do was to tear it down and rebuild it 100 meters to the north. And he said, it's only going to cost $1.8 billion. The listeners must understand, $1.8 billion is $600 for every man, woman, and child in Toronto. Imagine that Tory had gone to your house and knock on the door and say, hey, Phil, uh, I need five, I need six hundred dollars, and you say why? Oh, because I want to save three minutes to two percent of the commuters. Two percent of the commuters. If you are not a commuter and you are the other ninety-eight percent, this has no benefit to you. And then he said, "Oh, Phil, but I see your partner. Oh, it's another six hundred. Oh, and and it's a a little kid, another six hundred. So almost two thousand dollars <laughs> per household. That's a lot of money." I mean, it's so much money that is almost half of the budget, 10-year budget for capital for transportations, 44%. So we don't have money for sidewalks because everything is going to the garden. We don't have money for bike lanes because we don't have money for vision zero because the money is going there. It's a huge amount of money. So now they have fixed part of it, the west side, but not the east side. So now there is an opportunity to say, okay, with the east side, Let's tear it down and let's do a boulevard. Uh, even if it was more expensive, I think we should have torn down all of it. Uh, but even if it was more expensive, we should have done it. Uh, even why? Because of the benefits. Because of the one, we need to connect the city with the water from Toronto. The whole city is a waterfront city, but we're totally isolated because of that gigantic elevated highway cutting the city. Two, we could save about a billion dollars. A billion dollars, that's a lot of money. Uh, three, because it's, it's better for the environment, it's better for health, it's better for economic development. Some of the best urbanism in Toronto is being done on the waterfront and uh, along the Don River and all of this, and we would connect all of it. Uh, also, if we do the boulevard, we would open up land to do over 8,000 homes for 15,000 people. So. Any way you look at it, I think it's it, it, we should do it. Uh, some people are saying, oh, we should not do it because seven years ago was approved and we should stay uh, on what we approve. What a dumb idea. I mean, uh, that, that's, that's, not, that's not a reason because if we made a, one of the things that human beings are is that we can build our habitat and we can change. We're not a river. We can, we, we can go back and reevaluate. And by the way, the east side of the gardener is going to be the construction is going to start in 2026. So there is no big issue stopping. I, I told today the deputy mayor, McKelvey, and, and the infrastructure committee, I said, look, this is your Bill Davis moment. When the city was building the, the Spadina Expressway, it was going to be a gigantic highway through the middle of Toronto. At some point, Bill Davis, a conservative premier, said, look, if the goal is to create a transportation system to move cars, the Spadina Expressway is where to start. But if our goal is to create a transportation, pe- uh, transportation system for people, the Spadina Expressway is the place to stop. And he stopped it, even though there were hundreds of millions had already been invested. A lot of the, uh, the, the, the dragging of the of the land to do it was, and of course we are a much better city thanks to Bill Davis for having stopped it. 
this is the, the what, what the, the current mayor and council have this magnificent opportunity to, to, to do it better. This, this is something that is gonna improve the quality of life of people for the next hundred years. This is not, a, no, there is not such a small thing. And one last comment, the listeners must understand that this was seven years ago, before COVID. Uh, and now a lot of things have changed with COVID. One, many people are not commuting into the downtown. People are working two or three days from home. Two, we are in a huge financial crisis. So we need a lot of money. Uh, so, so, so we really need to be flexible. And also the other thing is Torontonians must understand that we don't have money for sidewalks and bikes and all of this. And 44% of the users of that gardener don't live in Toronto. So for the next 10 years, we're going to spend half of our transportation capital budget on something that ha almost half of the users don't even live in Toronto. So it doesn't make a sense in any way, environmental, financial, health, uh, or whatever. Gil, I know you didn't do it intentionally, but you you picked the perfect example by choosing me as your your theoretical go-to guy for the for the Gardner Expressway, you know, John Tory come a knocking. And I, I say this because hilariously to your example, I do not own a car. There is no car in my driveway. But of course, uh, for this, uh, what you're talking about, the, the cost of this gardener, it doesn't matter. If you own a car, if you don't own a car, it doesn't matter. Exactly. That, that still is... Uh... <laughs> exactly. Can it's you still... imagine? Everybody's paying for this. Everybody. You have a car, don't have a car. You, you, you commute, you don't commute. Everybody. But they, they have not been transparent with the city. If they had asked citizens, you know, would you be willing to spend $2,000 per household, $600 per man, woman, or child? Uh, people would not, I mean, people are not that dumb. To save three minutes to 2% of the commuters, uh, people have lots and lots of, of, of priorities over that. So so I, I totally agree with you. Many people don't even have a car. I don't have a car. So, so but, but I'm paying $2,000 for the gardener. And I, um, I guess this, this doesn't really lead to a question, but I have been recently thinking about um, sort of the, the city's, I want to say, hypocritical stance between saying it's important to work towards, um, you know, net zero, you know, climate change goals and what the city is doing, for example, with the gardener, as, uh, as you brought up, and with the TTC by, you know, increasing fares, reducing service, making it a a service that pe less people will want to use, where we're moving away from our, it's what, net zero 2040, something like that. Um, again, I don't have a question. I, I guess it's just more like, uh, I'm just speaking about my frustrations with the city. It feels like they're not taking, for example, climate change very seriously. Oh, you're totally right. I think this is something that is very important. We need leaders that are consistent in what people think, what people say, and what people do. So we are talking about climate change, but we're not doing. I mean, the, 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 the gardener is a classic example. It's terrible for the environment, for climate change. Also, it's going to be very expensive to maintain and, and elevate it. So why are we doing it? I mean, anybody with any common sense on climate change would never, ever, ever do an elevated highway. Civilized cities are not doing it. 
most were doing it 50 years ago, but none are doing it today. So why are we moving in that direction? Why are we, like you said, public transit? Why are we cutting the hours? Why are we cutting the frequency? Uh, it's uh, when, when they say, oh, it's because people are not using it. Well, then they're gonna use it even less. If people were not using it when the subway was coming every three minutes, they are gonna use it even less when it comes every 10 minutes. Uh, so it, 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 it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, so so we, we need to improve the service or else people are not gonna use it. And what do you say to one of your competitors who wants to make the TTC free? Well, first, there is nothing that is free, nothing. So if we're gonna make TTC free, we are going to have to pay it from somewhere. And, I, 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 you know, I think first, I, I don't believe in making the, the TTC free, but also I don't believe in subsidies by age or things like that. Uh, I think that we should, in 2023, we should be smarter. We should be subsidizing by need. I think, for example, everybody that is on a fixed income, such as some seniors are on fixed income, people with disabilities are in fixed income, uh, People homeless are in fixed income, so they should have free TTC. But why have a why have a seventy year old millionaire having free TTC just because he or she is seventy, and not a forty year old single mom or dad because they are forty if they live in poverty? So, so I do think that we should do, and I think it's wrong also because when, we, for example, when we subsidize all seniors instead of paying three twenty five, they pay two twenty five. For the people that have money, they don't care. The people that don't have money, 225 is still too much. So instead of saying, let's give everybody 225, let's say, no, the seniors low income, the seniors on fixed income, let's charge 50 cents or maybe even nothing, but only to those that don't have any money. The others, they can pay the regular fee. So I, I think we, we should focus on equity and make it free or very close to free to everybody living in poverty or we having disabilities and so on. But but not about everybody, because at the same time, we're going to have to get that money from somewhere. It's not that that is money going to come from heaven. So the only way to make the TTC free, maybe we have less childcare or less parks uh, or, 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 or the streets are going to be dirtier or there's going to be a lot of other services. I mean, we, we have a huge crisis of poverty and homelessness. Uh, so if we start using money for other things for free, uh, we, we will not have money for those others. Here's, here's my theoretical question, like, I guess about this, would you, would you have a, not, not that this is the case right now, clearly it's not, would you, would you, and, and I think anyone who would campaign on, on asking the federal or provincial government for anything, I think that's a non-starter. I think you have to kind of campaign on what you're capable of. Uh, within the city itself, um, but in a in a hypothetical situation where the federal and provincial governments actually are funding the TTC more than they currently are, because as far as I understand it, I could be wrong. Um, I believe the TTC is the least subsidized transit in North America. Oh God, I could be very wrong, but in in my hypothetical situation say the province and the, the federal government are providing more money towards the TTC. And so it wouldn't hurt the city so much if they were to provide free TTC. Do you think that would be doable? Oh, that would be great if, if tomorrow 
the prime minister says <laughs> that they're going to subsidize the cost of the TTC. Fantastic. Let's make it free. That would be ideal. The <laughs> Maybe same too way easy. That we, got, <laughs> that we have three schools and free health, uh, having free mobility. Yeah, uh, I think that anything that would help to get people out of the cars into public transit, that would be amazing. What I'm saying is the city does not have the resources to make it free to everybody, but it does have the resources to make it free or close to free to everyone that is poor or that has a disability. But if if the province or the federals was, want to assume that cost, oh, that would be amazing. We would It would be very much welcome. And um, what's your plan uh, to address the the homeless uh, crisis, the unhoused crisis in uh, in Toronto? Well, we, we've had a huge housing crisis because we have not done enough in the last 20 years, not only in Toronto, but all of the municipalities around. So now Doug Ford is coming out with his own housing. And in some way he's right in the sense that the Liberals, Kathleen Wynne and McGuinty didn't do it. And also the mayors in Toronto have not done it. And we have a huge crisis. So we need to build lots and lots and lots of housing everywhere. But not what Ford is saying, because Ford is saying in the in, in the green belt, and that's uh, totally crazy. I think that's very responsible. Uh, but but we, we, we need. So I, I do think that also we need to be respectful. The homeless are our brothers, our sisters. It could be anybody could be any of us. At some point, we make the wrong decision on something and we may end up homeless. So the homeless is a human rights issue and we should approach the homelessness that way. And, and I think it has been totally wrong. For example, last year, everybody saw on, 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 on how uh, there were uh, 12 or 13 homeless in Trinity Bellwoods. And John Tory and the city council sent 150 armed police to kick them out, literally kick them out. 13 people kicked out by 150. Really it's shameful. I mean, also, where are they going to send them uh, if you don't give them an option? It, it's totally crazy. By the way, for the listeners to understand, 13 is nothing, nothing. The city at no point at that time had had more than 200 homeless sleeping on the streets. And the city had over 7,500 in shelters and hotels. So 12, so, I mean, so 200 out of 8,000 is almost nothing. So, so they made a gigantic issue also because of the polls. You know, that's the problem where we have mayors that they don't do whatever they think is right, but they do whatever they polls. So the polls said that they were not, he was not being strong enough on the homeless issue. So then they overreacted and did these things. So I think, but he continued even after he resigned, he still went to city council and got council to approve a budget over $16 billion. And they were asking for 24 seven warming centers and they didn't approve them. They approved one. They approved one that by the way, it was a month ago and they have not even opened it. One, which obviously is not enough. What happens if we don't have warming centers? We are sending the people, these homeless people, that they go to the shelter, they are full, and we don't have warming centers. So they are going to sleep on the trains, on the Tim Hortons, in the libraries. And then people complain, oh, I cannot, I cannot take public transit because it's full of homeless. Well, if we don't have warming centers, they are not going to disappear. 
they are going to be, if it's minus 15 outside, they will be in a Tim Hortons or a library or a bus or a train. So, so, so I think we, we need to treat homelessness with a, with a human rights approach. And of course, the end goal has to be to provide a home. That has to be the end goal. Uh, but in the meantime, we need to have uh, intermediate solutions. Hell yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I mean, that that all sounds righteous to me, really. Like, <sighs> sorry, I just, it's nice to hear someone speak about it in such a way, you know, because I, I feel like it's very, most people talk about it, I feel like very clinically and also never make the connection between you know, the lack of services given to people and where they end up, you know, and where we find them in inconvenience. But, oh, I realize people aren't going to see me doing the quotation fingers around there. Um, no, I, Phil, <laughs> you know, Phil, audio, Phil. audio podcast. I mean, think of this. The, we have, they approved on that day a budget of over $16 billion. That's a lot, a lot of money. And we don't provide a warming shelters for the, for the people or a cooling center in the in in the summer. It's it's totally inhumane. I mean, there there is absolutely no excuse. And I think we have a, a group of new counselors that I think they're very good. But I think maybe because they were so naive, they were tricked into approving, and the budget was approved twenty four to one. There was only one vote against it. And uh, but but it's really terrible. I, I think that when we don't care about the, the our most vulnerable people, and I think we we should focus on the most vulnerable. And the most vulnerable people by age are the small children, the zero to four, or the very old. But also everyone that is poor, everyone that has disabilities, uh, uh, racial minorities, ethnic minorities. So I, I I think that clearly we when we do that, you know, it it, it just does not make any sense. I'd love to get your your opinion on the uh, Toronto Police budget and whether you think it's too high and what you would do. Obviously, you can't do anything about it this year because the budget's already passed, but I'm talking about if you win for next year, what would some of your plans be? Um, and also, while we're on the subject, um, I hate to keep bringing this up, but uh, one of your competitors wants to bring back carding, and I'd love to hear your opinion on that as well. Well, I don't know who wants to bring back Harding or or I, I also don't know who was going to make transit free. Uh, but anyway, you, you have so much uh, same guy. information. The same guy. Oh, yeah. but but I think that, well, the police, we need a good police. We need a professional police. We need a police that has been trained uh, and, and also that will be in sync with our citizens. Uh, but also we need transparency. We need to know what are they doing with the money. And we have a police board that doesn't hold the police accountable. They only approve some global policies, but they don't go into detail. No, we need to benchmark our police. We need to compare how our police is doing in, in cost and in efficiency compared with the police of Vancouver or New York or Boston or Montreal or other places. On, on every topic, we need to know if they're spending too much money on cars or too much money on something else. Uh, so if the horses, if, if it's good to have mounted police or not. So I think more than anything, I, th I think we we should really know if the, the budget is too small or too big or just right. 
but also how to make him much more efficient. I, 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 we, I, I'm appalled that we is the biggest budget in the city. We give it to them and we don't hold them accountable. No one knows where that money is, how it is being spent, uh, and we don't compare with, with anybody. And also we don't, we, we don't get results. Uh, so we, we keep giving them money and money and money. And even when they were approving Tories additional millions for them, they were saying that almost everything is gone bad. They were saying it's more, it's more carjackings, it's more uh, store, uh, store robberies, uh, is more is more and more and more everything is increasing. So why is everything increasing where they're getting more and more money? And even they go to the, the subway, to the TTC, and they say, oh, it's extra. Oh, thank you for having gone a few days, but now that that money's finished. Uh, I think that is that that is absurd. So I I do think that we we need to work with them, motivate them, get them enthusiastic, but hold them accountable for every cent. We do it with everybody else. When we give money to parks, we want to see how are they taking care of the parks. When giving money to the TTC, also we want to see where the money is going and the staffing and whatever. We should do exactly the same thing with the money that goes to the police. The police is not an entity that that is uh, running by themselves. And no, they they have a city budget, and we and the police board should should really be uh, taking care of it. I couldn't agree more. I think that I think that Toronto's uh, budget chief is falling asleep at the wheel, but that's just my personal opinion. No, but oh, you're right. It's too, uh, it's, too, it's too much money. You know, we're talking about billions and billions. We say we don't have money for the homeless. We don't have money for the shelters. Uh, we don't have money for the TTC. We don't have money for this. But then libraries. we give billions, and and we don't look at it. I think we should do. For example, not only the police, everybody. When Tory went to the to a park in June last year, and they said, "Oh, Mr. Mayor, the water fountains are not working," and then he said, "No, half of them are working. The other half are gonna work in July." What in July? Uh, the cost is the same to open the water fountains in April than in July. Why are we opening them in July? It doesn't make any sense. So we should be accountable, and someone should have been responsible. So why are we opening the water fountains in July? So someone is not doing their job. And he said, oh, we're, we're, he approved a motion asking parks to please next year think of opening them a little bit earlier. Well, if they can open it earlier with the same budget, no, not more people, not more money, not nothing, then someone wasn't doing their job. Maybe they, they should have changed the head of parks and rec because there is constantly lots and lots and lots of errors in parks and rec. And like that is one of them. So I, I think that 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 is I I really think the city is poorly managed. I mean, you walk down the streets and the garbage bins, almost half of them are broken. The doors are broken. There is garbage around. And this this was outsourced like 12 years ago to a company that they do also the shelters for 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 the public transit. On the shelters, they put advertisement. That's where they get the money. In other, those advertisement is always perfect. Is very nicely done. The the, the 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 glass is always clean. You see people. Clean. Why is it that they can keep up the shelters fine, but they don't keep up the garbage fine? It's the same company. So why is it that we have not the, canceled that? The bins are right next to the shelters. Yeah, let, let, let's let's cancel <laughs> the contract with to that company. I'm not against outsourcing. The the benefit of outsourcing is that if they don't work properly, 
then you change them and you you invite other companies and you outsource it again, but but you must do a really good job. So it, it is really poor management. We, we cannot accept what Tory and his people were saying at City Hall that the issues are are technical issues or financial. No, the city is in trouble not because of technical or financial issues. It's political, but not from political parties. About policy, we are not running the city properly. I mean, you take a you take a streetcar. This morning I took the streetcar on Spadina. Every red light, the streetcar stop. Why are the streetcars stopping at the red lights? It doesn't make any sense. Our constitution says all people are equal. If all people are equal, then a hundred people on a streetcar should have the right of space of a hundred cars with one person. Why is the streetcar stopping at small intersections for cars with one person? No, it's not about money, it's policy. You put a chip, a small chip that costs $20 on the streetcar. And when it's approaching the traffic lights, if it's red, it automatically turns green for the streetcar. So then those 60, 80, 100 people on the streetcar are going to go through green lights always. And it's just a simple issue of democracy. It's not an issue of cost. The same as the water fountains can be open earlier. The streetcars can go faster because they don't have to stop on red lights. And, and none of that is technical issue. None of that is money issue. It's just doing the right things. That's interesting. I've never heard that one before. Um, that, that's, that's actually very interesting. Um, well, you know, in most places, where, in most cities around the world where public transit is a priority, they always have traffic light priority, always. Because, I mean, it, it makes sense. If you've got 60, 80, 100 people, why should they be stopping at every red light? Uh, no, they got to have a priority when they start approaching. And then that's how you're going to get more people using public transit. If, if, if public transit, if people get it with more frequency, if it's going to take you faster, if it's going to be more convenient and more affordable, then people are going to leave their car at home and will use it on the weekends or might end up not having a car. Cars are very, very, very expensive. You know, people in Ontario that have a car are spending more than 20% of the income on the, on the, on the car. 20%. And if they are low income, it's 30% of the income. So they pay 30% for the car and 30% on housing. So they're 60% and they haven't even purchased one bread. So, so it, it's a huge crisis. So there is almost nothing we could do to improve the, the financial situation of, of a person than allowing families to downsize from two cars to one or from one to zero. But the only way to do it is to make it safe and enjoyable to walk, to ride bicycles, and to use public transit. Absolutely. Um, in terms of your plan for parks, I'd love to hear more about that. And also, you know, I come from sports world. I, I played baseball my whole life, uh, a little bit of competitive baseball. And I'm just wondering if in your in your plan for the parks, are they to establish new parks? And if so, how many of these parks are going to have baseball diamonds? <laughs> I don't know exactly how many baseball <laughs> diamonds, but but of course we need to do more parks and we need to do better use of the current parks. I think the park that we have today, we need to have a lot more programs, 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 programs. We don't have enough programs in the parks. So it's not only the infrastructure, as important as the parks are the infrastructure, 
is the management, the programs, the uses, the activities. And in that case, for example, the suburbs, the suburbs are being, uh, uh, we are failing the suburbs. When I was doing campaign and I would go to parks in the downtown, all of them were full of activities. In the suburbs, they were empty because there were no activities. So we not only need to do walking paths, but we need to do walking groups and baseball activities and so on. So, so we need to do a much better use of the parks in the both in the program and not only in the summer. Parks are a 52 week of the year infrastructure. We need to do much better use in the winter. So for example, we need to have the washrooms open and they say, oh, but, but we have winter. So we have always had winter and we will always have winter. At least in the large and medium sized parks, we need to winterize the washrooms. We need to winterize the, the washrooms. That, 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 that is simply, Common sense. What about, um, sorry, what about regulating uh, downhill skiing at Riverdale Park? That's the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Well, I think that it's always good to allow some type of skiing in the city because then people start getting comfortable, especially keep in mind that half of us living in the city, we were born in another country. Most in countries where there is no snow, so people don't know. So that's another thing that we need to allow people to get comfortable with some of these activities also so that people will enjoy more winter so that people will not get into their houses and hibernate and get depressed and anxiety but get out so we should facilitate lessons on how to do uh, ice skating and how to do skiing and how to do other act winter activities so that a lot of the immigrants will will, will integrate better into the Toronto uh, community. It does seem like, I know we've already been talking about the mismanagement of the city, but I, I feel like, I mean, we are just about hitting the end of winter and we've sort of just seen the last three months of uh, the city really failing to, to clean up sidewalks properly. Like the roads would get cleared pretty quickly and then the sidewalks would, um, you know, don't forget be left in the dirt. And... Don't forget the bike lanes. Oh yeah, well, yeah, and the bike lanes too. You know, they were um, they weren't very well. I don't know. It was. I don't. Again, this doesn't really like go anywhere except for me griping about the city. But it is my favorite thing to do. No, but, no, no. You know, I wouldn't be. I do, I wouldn't be griping if I didn't see value and love being in the city. So. No, no. Of course, that's why everybody's in the city because we live much happier in the city. The city is amazing. By the way, one out of three people in the city in Toronto lives alone. So the city, the people in the city, the activities, whatever, is, is kind of our family. So 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 that's why people go to the cities. People, the people say, oh, they shouldn't, we don't need more people in Toronto. No, of course we do. And also people come to the cities because there are better parks and theater and and, and 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 activities and festivals and all kinds kinds of things. It's more fun, better schools, better health, better everything. That's that's why people end up in the cities all over the world. So I think that's good. But sidewalks, for example, sidewalks. The most important infrastructure in the city are the sidewalks. The sidewalk. That is, in the sidewalks is where people meet boyfriends and girlfriends and people meet their neighbors and the people that send flowers and fruits and coffee and whatever. Uh, sometimes you say, oh, I'm going to go for a coffee and you take an hour oh, because you met someone, you saw, you wanted to watch people go by, whatever. 
the sidewalk is the life of the city. You go to any city and you leave your backpack and you go out and walk in. So, but in Toronto, 24% of the streets do not have sidewalks, 24%. It's crazy, it's one out of four streets do not have a sidewalk. That's insane, that, 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 that should be like a human right issue to have sidewalks. When people have to are forced to walk on the streets, then uh, if there is uh, black eyes and you fall down on the sidewalk, well, you might break a leg. But if there's black eyes on the street and you fall down, not only you break your leg, but there might be a car coming down and it's gonna kill you. It, it's insane. The sidewalk should be also always flat. Uh, my office is in the junction and in the junction last year, almost all of the streets were being done new sidewalks. I mean, they were in really, really good shape, but I don't know why when 24% don't have sidewalks, why are we redoing the ones that are in good? But anyway, all of them, every time there was a driveway, they did a ramp on the driveway and the ramp was 80% of the sidewalk was the ramp, only 20% flat. Obviously it has to be the other way around. 20% ramp for the car that goes in and out once or twice a day and 80% has to be flat. Uh, so the people that are with a walker or on a wheelchair or that are blind or whatever, they will find sidewalks that are perfectly flat. So sidewalks are, are really, really critical. And when it snows, they, they should be clear. First, we got to clear the sidewalk. We want children to walk to school. We want people to use public transit, but then we don't plow the sidewalks. Uh, so first, we got to plow the sidewalk, then the bikeway, then the sidewalk, then the bikeway, then the street. Uh, but we do the opposite. We do the street, the street, the street, the street, and maybe eventually we do the bike then and then the sidewalk. And, and that is the, uh, I mean, we, by any mode, if we are going to think of vulnerability, the most vulnerable person are the pedestrian, the people walking. And by the way, why is walking so important? Because everybody walks. Everybody, every single trip begins and ends walking. People walk to their cars, people walk to public transit, people walk to places. So walking has to be the priority, but it has not been. So city talks, talk, oh, walking, but then we don't plow the sidewalks, we don't take care of the of the holes, uh, the same thing with the bike lanes and so on. So so we, we say one thing and then we go and do something else. I agree with what you're saying. And uh, we could always walk more i think everyone could walk more and and definitely lead to better health no but also if you drive at some point you get out of the car and you walk you're not gonna drive into the stores or into the <laughs> restaurants so every, exactly right. every, every car trip begins and ends walking so every car driver is also a pedestrian every car driver is walking and also what you said now about health <clears throat> we really gotta work on 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 people being able to live healthier and happier. And part of living healthier is to do physical activity. And the only way, the only way that large amount of people do physical activity is if we walk or bike as a normal part of everyday life. There is no other way. It's not about playing baseball. It's not about playing hockey. Uh, you might play baseball, but once or twice a week. No, we need people to be physically active five or more days a week, five or more days. 30 minutes a day. It's not about doing marathons. It's only 30 minutes a day. So the only way is walking or cycling as a normal part of everyday life. That's why also sidewalks and bike lanes are so important. It's not, just, not only for mobility. 
But in addition of mobility is for physical health, for mental health, for the environment, for many other ways. Everything is really inter interwoven. That's amazing. Um, go ahead, Phil. Oh, see, I was just thinking, you know, sort of our, our working on our format, I guess, for future mayoral candidates, you know, it felt like a good initial question to ask you what specifically about Toronto um, you liked. So I figured maybe a good bookend question, you know, of that might be, and it could even be stuff we've already talked about. What what do you think are the two biggest issues facing Toronto? And I know, again, we've talked about some pretty big stuff, including, you know, the Gardner funds just absolutely gobbling everything up and and the poor mismanagement of the city. Uh, and if those are the two things, those could be the two things. But I'm just uh, I'm curious, what are your two biggest obstacles the city has? Well, the first one is mental, mental. Uh, we have become hopeless. Uh, so I think yeah. we, we need to, to turn as many people as possible from hopeless to hopeful. We can live better. And that part of being hopeless have made us have such low expectations. I remember the last campaign when I said, we're going to lower the speed in all the neighborhoods to 30K an hour. Even the editorial boards of the Globe and Mail or Toronto, oh, how are you going to do it? Oh, it's, everything is difficult. Oh, we're going to have the streets clean over. Oh, how are you? Like people the, 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 so the, are almost giving up. So I think that that is absolutely terrible. We need to move from hopeless to hopeful and realize that we can be much better. And the second thing I would say, well, I think we need a city really that is affordable, that is beautiful, and that is fun. We need a. We also need a, a city that is fun, and I think part of being fun are the parks and are the festivals and are the the the, the libraries and, and and everything. I think the, the services in general, the services are being very poorly delivered, and they could be much better. Hell yeah, good stuff. Sounds good to me. And uh, Gil, just to um, close off tonight. I'd love for you to, uh, you know, this is your chance to speak with our listeners and let them know why on June 26th they should vote for you. Don't forget to pitch your website. And uh, I just want to let you know that we're going to be there as well on April 3rd on registration day. We're going to be interviewing. So we'll see you there. And uh, yeah, so I'm going to give you the floor now to talk directly to the listeners. What I think I want to invite the listeners to participate whether you vote for me or for someone else, it, it, it doesn't matter. Uh, but may, be sure that this makes a huge difference. It's, the city elections are much more important than the federal elections. The federal elections is about international relations and international trade. But this one is about uh, the quality of life of you and your friends and your family is about cleaning the snow on, on the sidewalks. It's about having parks that are not only beautiful, but well-maintained with lots of activities. It's about having public transit on time, on service, on budget. It's about having a police that is properly trained and sensitized to ethnicities and racial minorities and so on. Uh, it's about creating a city that is really better for all of us. Uh, so, and it does make a difference, huge difference, whether the city is properly managed or is not. So I invite you to evaluate. 
the experience, the knowledge, the capacity to get things done, if they have commitments with political parties or with something. Uh, because in my case, I think that I have the knowledge and I have the experience. I have worked in over 350 cities all over the world. In Toronto, I created 880 cities, a nonprofit that has a simple concept. What if everything that we did in a city had to be good for an eight-year-old and for an 80, not eight to 88, and 80 as an indicator? We need to stop building a city as if everybody was 30 year old and athletics. We need a Toronto for everyone. We need a Toronto that is affordable, that is beautiful, and that is fun. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and, and just giving us knowledge and, and letting us know, you know, what we can expect from a, a Mayor Penalosa. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Philip, for the invitation. I wish you all the best, and, and I hope that people will prove all of the polls still wrong that think that very few people are going to vote. We, we really need a massive vote participate. Uh, there's very uh, lots of candidates with very different ideas. So try to listen as much as possible and make the decision and then go and vote. Thank you so much. And that was Gil Penalosa. Hell yeah, that's my man. That's my boy. Your political you. grandfather. Yes, I, 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 I almost wanted to bring up my the story that I keep bringing up where, you know, I had him my I had him meet my dad and he shook my dad's hand and he said, your son's doing a great job. And I've held on to that. Well, I mean, I was going to say for years, it's only been six months since uh, that event. But uh, uh, Gil, I'm, I'm I think I'm surprised at how how much Gil seems to get it and, and stuff that I, I don't know, the, the connection between where um, our, our unhoused people end up and, you know, their lack of services. Nobody's, I feel like nobody is vocalizing that connection. So I was, I was really glad for him to have done so. Speaking of which, it's a great uh, point you just hit on. I have this letter. It is from, I don't know who the hell it's from. It's from, uh, it's addressed to the residents of the Strathcona Hotel, which is a one of the, the homeless uh, shelter hotels. Yeah. It says, the City of Toronto Shelter Support and Housing Administration has informed Homes First that all Homes First residents at 60 York Street are to be relocated by April 12th, 2023. Staff at Homes first, and, and with assistance uh, from City of Toronto Shelter Support and Housing Administration, will work with you to develop individualized plans, housing plans, and complete applications for possible opportunities. If your housing is not available before April 12th, you will be temporarily relocated. All relocations must be completed before April 12th. The following relocations. Uh, relocation options are <clears throat> relocating to the Salvation Army Shelter, 66, I believe that's Norfinch Drive, relocating to other shelter locations within Homes First or the City of Toronto Shelter Support and Housing Portfolio, uh, supportive housing, prioritized, oh, fuck, this thing went sideways on me. Okay. Uh, Oh, classic. 
supportive housing <laughs> prioritized through the city's coordinated access approach. Uh, for more information, toronto.ca slash coordinated access. Uh, rent, rent geared to income housing through my access to housing TO, private market housing, and if eligible, financial subsidy. Let's not get carried away. That's not going to happen. Uh, <laughs> staff are available on site 24-7 to support you throughout this relocation process. Should you have any questions about this move, please do not hesitate to reach out to a staff member. We look forward to working with you to help you find a new location and program that meets your needs. Your thoughts? You know, okay. My my thoughts are, all of that sounds perfectly reasonable. The issue, of course, comes from the fact that we've just witnessed the city, you know, end, end their shelter hotel situation in, uh, in December, the Novotel Hotel. And um, we know how that plays out. You know, it's the city hasn't provided adequate housing for as far as i understand they didn't finish providing adequate housing for the people at the novotel so i don't know how we expect them to do the same for this hotel you know especially for uh april 12th which is i think three weeks away well as you but pointed that doesn't seem i was just gonna say as you pointed out when we were talking to gill it's getting nicer out there maybe the city thinks that it's nice. I like I, I I like I sigh not at <clears throat> you, but at the possibility of the fact that that could very well be true. <sighs> oh no, that's a powerful sigh. I oh god, I. That's okay. Fucking now, god damn it! <clears throat> I thought that I made my point last week when I was banging the Blake Acton drum. But there's been a couple of things, and um, uh, I, I, I'm not going to talk about it as long as we did last week, but there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. And, you know, we can go on from there because I'm covering the Blake Acton beat, and uh, it's, I swear to God, man, it's, it's like as the world turns. Oh, before I get to that, how awesome would it be? Uh, I was listening to Gil talk. How awesome would it be if we made a t-shirt that said sidewalks are where you meet your boy meet boyfriends. <laughs> that was really good. I really, you know, I, you know, obviously I have this thing where I'm not very good about, I'm not very aggressive, but I felt like Gil was talking about the concept of a third place. I don't know if you, if you've heard that concept, Matthew, what do you mean a third place? Um, but it's, it's essentially uh, the I want to say a societal construct, maybe I'm phrasing it poorly, but it's like, you know, you, you live at home, you go to work, and then this idea that you would go somewhere kind of sort of to hang out and meet people. For a lot of people, that is church, which is, of course, still prevalent, like people, churches. So, I mean, so hopefully if you understand what I'm saying, church is a perfect example of a third place. You know what I, I mean? Yeah, no, I get it. No, a lot of people when I was a teenager, we used to hang out at the mall. That would be a third place too, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I do kind of feel like, I think that's what Gil was sort of like getting on. And it's sort of this, I feel like we have sort of lacked a third place kind of, uh, maybe this all sounds silly. <laughs> no, no, I just, 
I couldn't, I was glad I wasn't on camera during that because I couldn't stop laughing. I wasn't laughing at him. I just, that is the, the way he phrased it was just, it was insightful, but it was also funny. The, you know, two things can be true at the same time. Anyway, let's get this you over. You may have with. noticed that I that I did not want to be uh I was not hyper silly with Gil. I uh I was um really nervous. Well, you pulled it through and and you know what? Uh you did good. You did good, my brother. Um so like I said, I'm not going to spend too much time on this guy. I do want to say that I don't know, man. I don't know how deep I want to go into this because this guy is very condescending. You know, I've read tweets from him in the past week that have said, you know, uh, I can't believe people have the audacity to question me or some, some shit like that. And, and things like that irritate me because he's very, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to say it just like I did last week. He's very Donald Trump. He's very, divisive i don't know but here's the thing i don't know if he knows he's being divisive or if he doesn't understand that's what he's doing that part i i haven't figured out yet but the fact he is he is being divisive it's just whether or not it's intentional and i i think as someone running for public office as <clears throat> someone who's been running for public office for years you have to understand that you are answerable to the people who elect you so you can't have this attitude of how dare they question blank because every single thing you do is under is allowed to be questioned you are running for public office to do good for the public you are going to be questioned yeah and he is you know what he's he said rude things to people that ask him questions and then he'll give a half-ass answer they don't like it and he gets nasty. You know, he's put up a few posts this past week where he's taken away. He, you can't comment. And I'm like, what the fuck? I, you know, I I also, I don't really believe in the idea of, like, politicians blocking people on, on social media. It's a pussy move. Um, Let's call it what it is. I, I think you should treat, even if they're not, every single person who can kind of like, who does talk to you on social media, treat every single one of them as if they're a constituent, as if you are expecting them to vote for you, even if they can't. Like, like I, um, this isn't going to be a huge conversation bit, but uh, independent MP from Spadina, Fort York, Kevin Vuong, um, he kind of lashed out at some people on Twitter very randomly. Like he called uh, uh, this one person who I know as like a green candidate, like he, he kind of helps green candidates uh kyle i believe hutton i don't know he's he's a very nice guy I follow him on twitter he kind of just like said something very randomly rude about him and it's it's regardless of the regardless of what's first kind of said and you know it, it wasn't even that rude you are an elected mp and you should act a certain way i mean i guess i didn't really describe how kevin acted but i'm i'm sort of telling him off for it anyways uh, if you know, you know, Kevin Vuong being a weirdo. So I just want to end this Blake news. Fuck, I don't even want to call it that. Um, whatever. Yeah, Blake, uh, Blake Blackshin. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
by saying that, you know, you know, last week I talked about he is or he was a police officer, but we never hear any stories. We don't hear anything. Uh, no police, as far as I know. And again, correct me if I'm wrong. Listeners, please do that. Um, but as far as I know, no police endorsed him in the last election. But I bring that up to say he posted a link to a YouTube video or, or, or a newspaper article or some shit this week. And I think he said something like interesting. And it was a, a um, <clears throat> it was a sun article about Josh Matlow uh, facing impaired driving uh, related charge in 2006. And this particular article was published in 2012. So it's again, it's not brand new information. That's that would be a good T-shirt, too. It's not brand new information. <laughs> this is old. But you would think someone who spent 30 years on the police force, if a public official was charged, that goes right to the top of like, oh, did you hear? Did you hear this person got like when uh, they were going after Rob Ford? Do you think the cops didn't know? Oh, yeah. Rob Ford. Yeah, I know him. Of course they did. Like, wait, is he so he's accusing? Sorry, he's accusing Josh Matlow of having um, a DUI. No, 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 no. He, Matt, Josh Matlow faced an impaired driving charge or an impaired, it says an impaired, impaired driving related charge in 2006. Mm. I find it hilarious that this was published in 2012 and only coming to light now because Josh Matlow may be thinking about running for mayor. In the same fashion that you, we all know Doug Ford, or Doug Ford. Oh, I am so sorry, Rob. Rob Ford. There's a lot of Fords. Right? Um, we all know that Rob Ford got his infamous DUI in Florida in 1999. That was never brought up until he ran for mayor in 2010. Maybe you didn't know that, but I did. Sorry. I didn't know that. No. I mean, I was... I wasn't as politically involved back then, and um, I just wasn't aware, really, of a lot of that stuff. So, I mean, I understand slinging mud, but, I mean, keep up to your current shit. Everyone, I mean, most people knew about it, and who cared? Like, okay, it's a DUI charge, I, I get, or a DUI-related charge. I get it. It's a sensitive issue, but enough time has passed. And when you have a city councilor that is currently sitting in office facing two counts of sexual assault. Josh Matlow's DUI doesn't mean shit. That's right. Are we done talking? <laughs> Are we done talking about this fucking guy yet? Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, we can yeah, we can be done. So I have a uh, letter I, I, I do sorry, you know, you go ahead and then I have a letter I wanted <laughs> to read, but go ahead. It's not a it's not like a grand thought thing, but I, I thought I'd tell you, um, as well as our, our listeners, anyone who might be interested. Uh, I am. Well, I haven't filled out the application yet. I'm working on it, but I, I would like to run for the TTC board as uh, one of the citizen members. There's nothing beyond that. I just think it's fun to mention that I want to do that. So what does that entail? Do you need signatures? Do you need support? Is it no? Is it um, is it? Hold on. Is it an elected position or does the board elect you? How does that work? I believe the board elects you. So it's 
Like I've got the, oh no, I don't have the tab up. I need to bring that back up. But um, so you apply, you, it's like, you know, the interesting thing is um, I think it's more like a job. So it's like you apply through the website. There'll be a list of, I mean, it's not just TDC board. There's a lot of other boards that are like constantly looking for members. Um, so hold on. So it's a you paid apply job? For it. It's, it actually kind of, it kind of is. It is. I mean, so yeah. apparently. Hold on. They, hold they on. Hold you... on. Let me, let me stop you. Did you just give your, your notice on this show? Oh, no, oh, no. Not, for, not for this show, but give me. No, your... I know for my job. <laughs> no, 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 no. If I, so the TTC board, as I understand it, meets either monthly or bi-monthly. And every meeting they get a like a per diem, which to me is insane of like five hundred dollars. That's crazy to me. Like you, in my mind, I'm working my job. That's an extra five hundred bucks. I, that's not the reason I'm doing this. <laughs> but it's certainly a benefit. But Phil, what if what if people smoke a bunch of opium on election day and Blake Acton gets elected and then he's your boss? I I mean that'll suck, but I mean my my intentions of running for the TTC board are because I you know see the issues of the TTC and I'd like to at least be a I mean it's sort of the same way I ran for city council where it's like yeah I can't be the one controlling all the decisions, but I would like to at least be a voice, especially a voice for you know the people who don't just take the TTC because it's convenient who take the TTC because they need to take the TTC because that's that's what they have to take as transit. You know, there are people who rely on the GTC. And of course, the people who are currently on council, our previous mayor, are perfectly happy letting the GTC go to shit. And I am not happy to let the GTC go to shit. So that's my TTC board pitch to you. Awesome. And I and I also, <laughs> I, I wish you good luck. And I also don't think that opium would work. People would probably have to drop acid to vote for Blake. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something more fun. No, yeah. They need to do one of the fun drugs and it had to be provided by him. Oh, he definitely can afford it. But anyway. <laughs> um, you really enjoyed that one for a moment. <laughs> <laughs> this is a letter from uh, our deputy mayor, Jennifer McKelvey, to um, the Minister of Justice and Attorney General, uh, Minister Lamenti, David Lamenti. Uh, re-working together to address transit safety. I firmly believe that transit must be safe for everyone, including all of our transit workers. I'm writing you today to build on a request from the Toronto Transit Commission that the Government of Canada work with us to help increase safety for all transit employees. I'm requesting that the Government of Canada amend subsection 269.01 of the Criminal Code to include all transit workers in these provisions, not just operators. While I understand that the criminal code includes general provisions that respond to acts of violence committed against anyone, including transit workers, the proposed amendment would act as a deterrent, sending the message that abuse and assault against transit workers will not be tolerated. This change was requested by the TTC last year, which, which means it was... It, <laughs> It was requested by the T. I was trying to blame John. John Tory. Fuck. Anyway, <laughs> we're allowed uh, to blame. Listen, 
We can blame John Tory. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter if it's accurate. We can blame John Tory. He's not I mean, the he's is, not the mayor be anymore. <sighs> That's true. Oh, John Tory's gone. He's not our punching bag anymore. We'll see who our new punching bag is in July. Uh, <laughs> getting back to the letter. At the time, you had said you would share the proposal with the appropriate department officials for consideration. Since then, we have seen more attacks on transit workers, and I believe it is important to send a strong message to be sent as soon as possible that violence against the transit workers is totally unacceptable and will be dealt with severely by Canada's justice system. I'm also writing to you to outline the increasing number of societal challenges on transit that have affected the well-being of both TTC employees and customers. These challenges include mental health, substance use, homelessness, and random acts of violence. We have taken a number of steps as a municipal government to respond to these challenges, but we need all governments to work together with us on long-term solutions uh, to many of these challenges. Uh, blah 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 anyway that's there's more but i'm not going to read it i i, I want to you know <laughs> what i want to give a shout out to our deputy mayor jennifer McKelvey. um you know it's 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 not easy stepping into shoes that were definitely not your own and um I, you know what it really kind of came out of nowhere you're right and it's a hard job um you have all my respect and, you know, for the next three months or whatever it is that you are the acting mayor, mayor, deputy mayor, whatever title it is, um, I hope you do well. And when you do do well, we are going to acknowledge that like we're doing right now. I agree that this should have been you done. La- I, I agree that this should have been done last year. I don't know why it wasn't. I don't know um, what's going on at the federal government. <laughs> Um, because ultimately they're the ones that can change the criminal code, but it's very interesting to me. I don't know if this is protocol. Maybe you can speak to this, Phil. She kind of wrote, she wrote right to the MP and completely bypassing the the provincial government. I don't know if that you, if that's okay, if I'm maybe reading too much into it or. Um, you know, if, if that is the case, maybe I should look up the statement myself to double check. But it might be that it's it is a it might be a federal government jurisdiction issue, and that's why maybe she'd be speaking directly to the the is it Bill Blair is it MP Bill Blair because he would be the um the safety guy I believe. No, but this letter was addressed to the Minister of Justice and Attorney General. But anyway, let's let's move on. Let's talk about you know. Every, Sorry, will, before we move ahead. on, yes, just and actually, sorry, it, sorry, it's actually not really about the point <laughs> we wanted to make, except I want to say, um, because I have on Twitter, I've been very, um, I've been critical of uh, McKelvey, uh, specifically when it's uh, she speaks about you know, us needing to reach uh, net zero 2040 and you know how that kind of conflates with our decreased TTC service. Uh, but it's a very good point that you make that she really was thrown into position that she didn't, well, I mean, she accepted the deputy mayor, but you never expect three months into a term to be thrown into the role of mayor. That is, I guess that is something to be, to be thought of whenever I think to criticize her, that it's, it is a surprising shift. 
that no one could have predicted in the moment. Unless, of course, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I should give her more credit. I think you did good there. Um, let's talk about, you know, we, we have names every every time that we, uh, uh, since, since the re- resignation, <clears throat> new names come forward. So let's start with the one that we maybe don't have very much to say about, or maybe we do, I don't know. Uh, Anna Bailau has confirmed she will run for mayor. Your thoughts? Uh, <laughs> I feel... I definitely feel like because she she stopped being a counselor in 2018, right? Uh, no, she she did not run for re-election this past October. Wait, but she was like, oh my god, I oh no, I need to pay more attention. That is my bad. Um, we'll just skip right over that. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Um, I've I'm I'm concerned. Uh, that she is very team Tory. I'm I'm concerned that she has uh, Nick Kuvalis advising her behind the scenes on her campaign. But other, you know, those things that I have seen have been fairly reasonable. That that isn't to say that I should, you know, we should immediately trust everything they do. I do need to look more into Anna Bayo. Uh, because again, as I've said to you about Brad Bradford, the specific issue being he he says one thing and then he votes the other way. So I'd like to to look into uh, Anna's voting record to see what her deal is. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna say fairly neutral at this moment. Although I do believe she's actually in the lead of uh, in polling. Surprisingly, I actually haven't seen any polling, but that's because I don't really watch the news. But um, Chris Moise has uh, Ward Thirteen counselor has already come out and endorsed her. Um, people, people that I like have not been happy about that. I'm, I'm not thinking too deeply about it at the moment, but I understand their position that it's sort of like campaigning outside the the campaign period. Um, I don't think it's that big a deal, but also I get it. Follow rules because there are rules. What do you think of her idea to upload the what is it the highways to the province? I thought it's, they were. I thought the okay. highways were already under, except for paying for them, because obviously we have to do that. Well, and I think that's I think that's the thing. And I, I think it might be specifically the gardener. In fact, I I could be wrong, but I think Anna is in support of keeping the gardener. Uh, and her hope is, is it her hope is to upload the cost to the province? I Which think, I think, I think by, so. By, by the look on your face, I'm going to assume we're on the same page and saying that's a that's a pipe dream that's never going to happen. Well, Doug well, Ford's not going to take it. No other premier, regardless of their political stance, is going to take it. Nobody wants it. But, Phil, can we agree that, I mean, personally, I don't give a shit who takes it. I want the thing gone. I don't care who pays no, I, for it. Listen, I agree with you. I I just, <clears throat> um, I think it's, it's a dream uh, for these Toronto... Uh, politicians to think that the province will voluntarily take anything, you know, unless they get something out of it. Like how um, I believe they wanted to take over the TTC. Um, uh, you know, I shouldn't, I shouldn't speak of that. I could be wrong. Well, actually, but... you know what? They've taken over a lot of the expansion projects. I don't know if that means they're paying for them or we're paying for them. It's just their name. Cause I was, uh, uh, 
my kid goes to uh, school up here. So I was picking her up and I noticed uh, they're doing the Finch LRT and it, it does not say TTC on it. It says Metrolinx. I think Metrolinx is provincial. So I think you're absolutely correct. No, Metrolinx is provincial, which is why going back to the free TTC, it wouldn't work because the very first thing that would happen, say free TTC is a success and everybody uses it. You know what's going to happen? The GO train is going to go out of business. Anyway. Well, I mean, at the same time, we also, we don't even have, I think, I think more, well, you know, the pipe dream is yes, public transit would be free. But obviously there are steps for us to get there, including, I think, fair integration. Uh, God, because last week, oh my God, the TTC, the subway, I know, Matt, you've said that you haven't taken the TTC in, I think you said three years. Um, so yeah, so I, hold on, hold on. No, no, you're right. Let's let's update. So I've changed my mind, people, for, it doesn't matter why, but anyway, I, <laughs> when Phil and I are done at City Hall on April the 3rd, I am going to take the TTC home for the first time in three years. Yeah, that's uh, that's why they call it the better way, baby. That's not why they call it the better way, baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, shit, what was I just saying about that? Oh, I completely fucked up your thought. I apologize. <laughs> uh, that's okay. I'll I'll come around to it. Let's talk um, about the next person. He's uh, he's our close personal friend, uh, Mister Philip De Cruz. Uh, you know, he declared a while ago, but. You know, it was an oversight. We just didn't. So much shit was happening. And he's like the nicest guy out of the whole pack. Right. He's very nice. You know, so sorry, Phil, that we forgot about you. Apologize. Uh, but we're going to talk about it right now. Um, you know, he's more vocal on uh, on Twitter, but he's also getting out in the community more. Um, I, I've seen him take a hard stance against Brad Bradford, even though Brad Bradford hasn't declared yet, but I, I feel like we'll know that on April 3rd. Um, and I feel I think, like... I think Phil's position... Sorry to interrupt you. Yeah. I feel like Phil's position is more anti-old guard. And I mean, I don't disagree with him where his his thinking, or at least my understanding of his thinking, is that it's a sort of um, their allegiance to this old way of, of thinking and and also to old ideas like the gardener. Like how, you know, seven, as Gil mentioned, seven years ago, they made a decision that they're sticking to for some reason. That's, you know, some sunk cost fallacy. Uh, I think Phil, my understanding of Phil, I... I could be wrong. Phil can tell me off if I'm wrong. But um, my understanding is he's just, he's rightfully so against kind of any, anyone who's sort of, I think he's looking for like a, a renewed uh, top, uh, a renewed top of council. And I get that. That makes sense. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, he's, he's a nice guy. And uh, he, he's not afraid of the big decisions. Um, 
but yeah, he's, he's working on his website. It'll be available soon. And, and uh, you know, we'll go from there. We'll probably talk to him on April 3rd. Now, moving along, I wanted to talk about someone that I, uh, I like, but I'm not sure how you Ooh. feel. Okay. Giorgio Mammoliti. So here's the thing. Sort of, sort of in the same thing as, um, you know, we're talking 2010 Rob Ford, and I'm like saying I'm very ignorant of it. I, I honestly don't know a lot about uh, Mammoliti. I've only seen other people online kind of. Um, I've seen, I've seen the picture of him uh, with the City News microphone in his face where he's shirtless. Uh, that sounds like that's a that was the thing I didn't get. But um, I I don't know him well enough to comment. I will say that he's not afraid to call out corruption. When he was running uh, this past election uh, for mayor of Wasega Beach, there was some cor- uh, corruption. If you guys want to listen to it, it's available on my other podcast, This Time in History. Uh, you just scroll down to find uh, the interview with Giorgio Mammoliti, and you can listen to him talk about it there. He's not afraid to call out the corruption which is something that I respect because it takes a lot of guts to stand out there and say that, you know, we, we, we go back uh, a little bit off topic, but Phil, you and I are going back and, and at least maybe not on air, but, but off air saying, you know, I'd love to know who leaked John Tory stuff to the media. I'd love to know. I'd love to know. Well, I can guarantee you that if Giorgio Mammoliti knew, he would say it. If Giorgio Mammoliti <laughs> was the one who did it, he'd say it. And that's that. Yeah, which says to me that we can cross him off. He's not the one who did it. My point is, <laughs> is that, my point is, is that whatever side of the political aisle he sits on, and I think he's closer to my side than your side. The fact that he has the guts to stand up and expose people, that is respect I have for him all by itself. The other stuff we can agree to disagree on, you know, whatever he feels about the gardener or the, the police budget, which I'm not sure about his positions for the record. And we'll hope to clarify that on April 3rd. And I, I'm looking to schedule a one-on-one um, as soon as possible. But anyway, those are the three that uh, that I wanted to cover. And um, yeah, man, I'm I'm you know, I got one one last thing to cover. Um, You know, we talked about Ottawa last week and the the death threat. And we're not going to get into that this week. But there is something from the Ottawa um, Board of Health. It's a short letter. I just wanted to grab your comments because I'm wondering if stuff like this happens in Toronto. You you hear about it in other parts of the world and you're like, wow, I can't believe it's happening there. And then you don't realize it very well could be happening in your own backyard. Uh, so very quickly, uh, this letter was addressed. Um, it's either, no, it's got to be January 12th, 2023. I don't know why it's, it, it, she just put it online now, but it's addressed to a miss. Elise Banham, Executive Director of Ottawa Birth and Wellness Center. Uh, And it says, today's paper spoke about city committees. 
As a member of the Ottawa Board of Health, citizens expect you to be a role model for our city's residents, and I believe you cannot fulfill that role due to your unhealthy status. It is unacceptable for you to be overweight by the by the 20 pounds it appears you are carrying. I would be happy to Jesus. see I would yeah, right? I would be happy to see you on the new committee on the condition that you become a better role model. Yours truly, Elizabeth Darwin. Holy fuck. This shit writes itself. I'm telling you. <laughs> like, uh, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I I feel like a lot is going on, like, right here. Like, first of all, 20 pounds is your issue? Oh, my God. I mean, okay, that's the problem. That's the problem is that's not the issue. The problem is, you know, I mean, I mean, clearly that's, and I feel like some people laugh at the concept of, of fat phobia, but it's like, Hey, 20 pounds. What, what does this lady look like? She's, she's probably like, just got the littlest of like 20 pounds. I'm just like, sorry. I'm, I'm like caught off that. Cause you know, I'm, I'm very self-conscious of, of, of my body, even though I, like, I want to be a very body positive person, but you kind of, I can't escape that with my own body because I've got problems. you got awesome and, hair. Um, you got awesome hair. Oh God. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. I, I, I take that. Uh, <laughs> um, like it's, it's silly. It's that it's obnoxious. That's not 20 pounds, Matthew. <laughs> I mean, I mean, that's apparently the standard in in this place. Oh, fuck this lady. Like, I mean, oh, yeah, okay, we are on the same page. This is a fuck this lady. Um, like, it's not. That's not. It's it's, it's, it's not the job. It's, fat, it's, it's not that unhealthy. It's fat shaming. It's fat shaming. You're right. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. How can you fight? Hold on. Can we? Can we? Uh, decide whether or not is this a, a you're fired letter until you lose weight isn't that discriminatory oh yeah okay but to be clear the person who wrote this letter is just like a like um like a regular citizen it's not the boss of any of them oh uh no she's i i actually don't know because the letter was addressed to the executive director like Miss Elise Banham is the executive director of the Ottawa Birth and Wellness Center. And this letter was addressed to her by someone named Elizabeth Darwin, whoever the fuck that is. Okay. I want to see if I can. This letter was. How do you spell her last name? Which uh, Elise Banham, B-A-N-H-A-M. Elise is E-L-Y-S-E. What 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 do you see? She is oh she's listen again. I'm not interested in fat shaming. I'm not interested in putting anyone down. She's not. <clears throat> am I not? She's not. She's not fat. She just is not. It's like like again. I I wouldn't want to label anyone, but she's not. 
What are they talking about? I have no idea. I hate these people. <laughs> but I mean, oh, it looks like you're carrying 20 pounds. What are you looking at? It begs the question: Does is this is this shit happening in Toronto? I I'd love to know. If any listeners, if any board members, anyone, oh, you know what? Write us, Matthew. The municipal's harassment at yahoo.com. Matthew, I can guarantee you, harassment of this type is happening all over the city, everywhere, everywhere. Not just Toronto, everywhere in the country. I then, imagine this is happening everywhere. Then here's what we'll do, especially to especially to women, especially here's, to women. Here's what we'll do for our listeners who are listening right now. If you email us at the municipal pod at yahoo.com and your story checks out it's verified we will read it on the air and we will shame the person who wrote it and we will say some oh, shit yeah because philip philip wants to say some shit <laughs> clearly um <laughs> like she just i i can't i can't believe anyone looked at this person and was just like they are too much of a whale to represent health I mean, what what's next? Your hair is too short. Your hair is too long. Um, your beard is too long. I, I, you know what? There are some jobs I go that one of the questions I do ask during an interview is like, you know, do I have to shave my beard because I don't like doing that? And <laughs> you know, the the job I have now, you know, they're they're cool with it, so I uh, I'm letting it grow out. Uh, but you know, I've had jobs where you know you got to get rid of the beard, and I'm like, ah. Uh, I'll pass. I'm good. I'll, I'm going to keep my beard. Because, you know, I, I tell everybody, they're like, you, you know, your beard is so kind of uneven and there's a couple patches. I'm like, yeah, I know. But it keeps me warm during the winter. So I'm okay with that. And I'm not. And, and, and then I say, and I'm not wearing my beard for any of you. It's for me. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's right, my man. Preach it. Oh, well, do you have anything else that you want to cover before we get out of here? No, I think we're okay. I was very excited to announce uh, my running for the GTC board. That's uh, awesome. And you know, now I've and now I've gotten this uh, you know fat shaming moment of uh, you know guns ablazing, and everyone now understands that I am anti fat shaming, but also I fat shame myself. But you, you guys aren't allowed to. I am. But not you. And I don't mean you, Matthew. I mean other people. And and also vote for Phil for TTC uh board member. Is that is that what it's called? Yeah, it's it's a board member. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now again, it is not an elected position. It is more like a it is more like a job uh thing. So what you're saying is But it's not a job. So let's just talk theoretics for a second. So if you what you're saying is if you do get elected, you can't tell rick leary the ceo of the tc to go fuck himself oh shit that's a good point um you know it is a four-year term and i don't know if you can be fired from that so i might be the only person in the position to tell rick leary to go fuck himself that's awesome <laughs> and i can't think of a better way to end the show on that so for phil and for gill and for all the other ills Thank you guys so much for listening. Solid. We're going to be back next week with a new episode. We're going to be live at City Hall on April 3rd. There's plenty of ways to listen to us. Spotify, Amazon Music, Podbean, Google fucking podcast. Um, there's a few others. Not Apple. 
fuck Apple. And uh, and that's it. And thank you guys so much for, for tuning in. And can't wait to do it again next week. And this is the municipal. Have you been paying attention to, like, city stuff? Don't vote, can't bitch. Sorry to, uh, to point that finger at you. My answer was that would be yes and no. My tummy hurts, and I'm mad at the government. You're saying council wouldn't approve it, and two, you're robbing them of their their voice. It's it's he's already he's already failed to uphold it.